Well, we are getting very close to the end. Does that scare you? We are getting very close to the end of the book of Revelation, which is bringing us very close to the end. And I think if you're aware of news these days, things are moving very, very rapidly. Things are heating up globally. That's not a metaphor. It's that things are becoming very, very close to when the day in which Jesus comes back and redeems his whole church. Jerusalem, the people of Israel who have recognized their Messiah, and those of us Gentiles who have recognized the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so because of that, like the words of Second Peter, we need to not let our guard or just to be lackadaisical and say, well, it's going to come, it's going to come. In fact, that's what Peter was talking about. Don't just ignore it and say, well, yeah, it's going to come. It's time for us to prepare. It's time for us to be ready. And these are the best days that we can prepare ourselves. The revelation of Jesus Christ, a new heaven and a new earth, then the blessing that we read together. Let's read that. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the test and listen for the time is near. Okay, sorry for stumbling there. These things are imminent, true, and we believe them. The tabernacle of God is with men. One of the verses that kind of stuck me in this chapter was the very first verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw this holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. These two verses really have a connection with our generation, where we are right now. And I'm not just talking spiritually, I'm talking even physically. This is true. The earth is, and I'm not a scientist, and so what John sees is a new heaven and a new earth, and we mean a literal new heaven and a new earth. It's not a makeover. This ball that we're on is destined for collapse and for coming to an end. That is not to put fear in your hearts, but it is the reality of what scripture teaches us. And we have to live our life according to that reality or we will be caught unawares and without a savior. This isn't a mechanism by Christianity to put the bee on somebody and say, you know, if you don't make it right with Jesus Christ, you're going to perish. That's not just a hollow threat. It's reality that has been preached for centuries. And if we look at the earth 
and there are many people that are talking about climate and, and all that's going on and making legislation worldwide to save the earth. One politician just said, we've got 12 years left. Well, he sounds to me like one of those guys with a sign, repent, repent. Well, there are signs coming out. There are indications. And even the Bible says, the earth will wear out like an old rag, an old garment. But the thing that grabbed me on this one, I can buy a new heaven and an earth, a new earth, that statement. Lord, may it be soon. But I could not figure out there is no longer any sea. I love the ocean. I was raised in sunny California. The ocean is great. But heavens, not going to have any surfboards. <laughs> this is a phenomenal statement. You know that the sea, it, and I didn't do a lot of statistics on this. The sea is the repository of everything bad that has happened on earth. But you know what? The old prophets in Israel believed that sea was where hell was, where Hades was, because everything ends up in the sea. But this is another evidence, I believe, of the purity of heaven. There is no sea there. There's no waste. There is a river. Where does it flow? Well, we'll have to find out. And I have no answer for you today. But it says there is no sea there in heaven. New heaven and a new earth. And what do we say about it? Praise the Lord. He knows what he's talking about. He's spot on every time. And then I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem. Not the one that's been rebuilt and rebuilt and rebuilt. This one is forever coming down out of heaven. And yet we have our Jewish friends who are, I understand from what I've read, everything is in place for setting the next temple into place. All they need to do is convince the Muslims to move their mosque. And I even heard something just a few months ago that, well, you know, by the calculations, that mosque isn't really sitting on the temple site. So we can rebuild it. Well, come on. Why don't we just read the Bible and not worry about this temple that they're supposedly going to construct? And a lot of Christians are getting behind this move, but we're missing the reality of what is really coming. The new Jerusalem coming down from where? From heaven. And that is where our hope is. And here's the thing about it. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. God is preparing his bride and allowing her time to prepare herself to be adorned with white garments. That's where we are right now. That's the key 
verse. That's the key words in this passage. Being made ready. We're being made ready as the bride. Do you understand that? Do you appreciate that? Do you see that God is beginning to dress us with some incredible blessings? Just the fact that we can meet in this room is a blessing and meet together. And I heard a loud voice. How many times have we heard that in Revelation? Did anybody count? I mean, heaven is not a quiet place. <laughs> Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and women, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. We have the Holy Spirit now, and thank God that he gave us the Holy Spirit. They can be in us, and we, we can take him wherever we go. But God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we will be in his presence in heaven, just like Adam and Eve were before they sinned. That is going to be empowering, encouraging, enriching, enjoyable. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Praise the Lord. We can claim that promise. We can know that. We can bless the Lord for his provision for us because he is the Alpha and Omega. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And when he means all things, what does he mean? All things. And so I am not going to be like I am, running over time all the time in my messages. And <laughs> I can't believe the messages that I'll be able to preach in heaven. And he said, write for these things are faithful and true. And then he said to me, it is done. That is a pretty final word. It is done. It is done. It is like the one who has said, it is finished. And what happened? He breathed his last. He had fulfilled all righteousness for us, every one of us, everyone who has ever walked on this planet and every will. It is finished. It's done. That is a powerful, energizing statement to me. I've got to wipe these tears away. I won't have them in heaven, so I might as well cry them here. <laughs> then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. As we say in English, the A and the Z. That's basically what Alpha and Omega meant. But I think there was a little bit more depth of reading in the Greek there. The beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. You know, there's 
people say, modern societies shouldn't have any price for anything. It should all be free. Everybody should have it free. And then it would be heaven. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. God knew what man needed. And you know what? When we go to heaven, everything is not going to be free. Oh, no. What did I just say? <laughs> no, it isn't. God never intended anything to be free on earth without work. He has work for us to do when we go to heaven. We will be working, not like worker bees. We'll be rejoicing and working, serving the King of Kings. That is heaven. I love work. I was born for work. It's, it's great when you stand back and you see what you just did. Well, it just fell apart, but <laughs> what you just accomplished. I can't wait to see what MCC produces in heaven. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son or daughter. But there won't be any sexes there, I don't believe, but my child, my the one that I have redeemed. But for the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, immoral persons, sorcerers, idolaters, liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire, with brimstone, which is the second death. That should spur us on to pray for our relatives, pray for our spouses, pray for our children, where are they going to end up if they don't have Jesus? Alpha and Omega. Psalm 91. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. This is the Lord talking about us. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will rescue him and honor him and let him see my salvation. With a long life and eternal life, I will satisfy and let him see my salvation. We'll be enthralled with that for the rest of eternity. The New Jerusalem. What they're planning and putting back the temple in Jerusalem Already, it's not fulfilling its purpose. Are they going to build a new Ark of the Covenant? What's happening there? It's a falsehood. What Israel is trying to do, or those that are pro-Israel. Do you get what I'm getting at? That is not going to last. Because that's not how Jerusalem comes to us. It's done. I mean, yeah, I'd love to go to Jerusalem and walk around and take a look at the sites. Some of you have been there. But really, I don't have that big a desire to do that. I'd rather be in Japan, or I'd like to be in some mission field where I can share the gospel with people. But of course, the gospel needs to be shared there too. But 
what for? They haven't even read their, their Old Testament scriptures that talk about the reality of what Jerusalem really is. It's the bride of the Lamb, the one coming down from heaven. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying, come here and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. And here's a, a little uh, commercial line that I picked up. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow, that is a high, high bar to reach as a husband. We are privileged to have our wives. We owe them so much, but we'll never rise to the level of what Jesus Christ has done for his bride. And that is us. It's kind of hard for us men to kind of visualize us being wives, but when it gets to heart to heart, if you spent time with the Lord, you know how precious that can be. And that's what we are, close to the heart of God, close to his purposes, his designs, his heart for the people around us. Remember that, husbands. She's the bride of the Lamb. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and the names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. Fortunately, I don't have time to read this because it gets very hard reading and pronouncing some of the names of those jewels. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. But Isaiah's got a great line. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. And we just talked with the Japanese congregations about the broken walls of Nehemiah and the burnt down gates. Thank the Lord for the wall of salvation and for the praise that we can have. Praise for protection. We can lock it by night. Praise for the morning when we can invite the mailman in and share Jesus with him. The gold measuring rod, what is all that about? And the one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod. And I'll just talk about that a little bit here. The gold measuring rod is mentioned in Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Zechariah. And the measuring rod actually means truth and goodness. It's not a weight. It's not a length. But the measuring rod speaks of truth and goodness. And that is what the New Jerusalem is about. All that's in it is truth and goodness. It speaks of God's justness, of his fairness, and his righteousness. Wow. I'm looking forward to living in a city like that. 
And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of them was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. The lamb and its temple, the lamp and the life. Okay, let's just talk about these three things. The temple, I saw no temple in it. Wait a minute. How many times did John say, I saw the temple there? I saw no temple there. Where is it? What is it? The Lord, God Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. Oh, that's what it means. It means that he didn't see the temple. He just saw the Lord God and the Lamb. Maybe they were covering it up. No. There isn't a temple there. There can't be a temple in heaven because he is the exact thing. He's the real thing. The temple was something that they went to to represent God in heaven. The lamb is the real thing. And the Lord God Almighty, this is it. That sent shivers up and down my spine as I thought about it this past week. That's what heaven's about. I don't want BS in any other place. Matthew, Jesus said, do you not see these things truly? I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon the other which will not be torn down. Then in Acts, the God who made the world and all things in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Whose temple was it that Jesus said would be torn down? Whose temple was that? Herod's. For his pride. Look what I did for the Jewish people. They deserve to have me. That was not the real thing. And I don't think there's any thing that indicates that Jesus went to the temple to worship. They looked at it, but he didn't worship there. The lamp, what's the light of heaven? Where's the radiance coming from? And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Praise the Lord. In John 8:12, and Ged, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. And the life. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And John 1, 4 and 5 says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples 
made with hands. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent. Lord, we really don't know what silence is. Pure silence before you. May we able to come before you in silence. We surrender our thoughts, our minds, our hearts to you for this week. May our souls be still and know that I am God. You alone sit on the throne. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hope that's in us. Thank you for your salvation, Lamb of God. And now energize us to go out and live as though you are coming back in the next hour. Thank you for this reflection this morning, for your word. We thank you in Jesus' name, the Lamb of God. Amen.